I have a, I have a feeling, I have a suspicion that you can't be happy, that one cannot truly be happy until the ambition is, is relaxed fully. Uh, what is an ambition but a wish for things to be other than what they are and for to feel differently from how I feel? And that is almost the definition of what happiness isn't. If you're defining happiness as a state of being happy with what is, right? That's the, in a sense, the, the opposite of the state of ambition. And yet somehow we need to have a place for ambition. We're, and somehow we need to be able to encompass the fact we're fated to want and to desire and to always wish and strive. But all we can do is, is to be okay with that weird paradox and start laughing about it. And I think that is why the greatest art is comedy in a way, because, because it, it, it laughs at our condition. Hi, I'm Carlos, co-founder of the Happy Startup School, and welcome to our Happy Startup Community Podcast. Along this journey of building the Happy Startup School, I've had the privilege of meeting amazing people from around the world. Whether it was across a banqueting table at our summer camp festival, or sat at a beach cafe in Goa during one of our retreats, each of them had fascinating stories to tell and interesting ideas to share that have changed how I look at business and life. This podcast is my effort to share these conversations with you and to open up your horizons to new perspectives and ways of viewing the world. I hope that they become a source of inspiration, learning and connection. Enjoy. So one of my highlights from this year's Happy Startup Summer Camp was watching Lawrence Shorter's spiritual experience. So think of it as a stand-up comedy meets group therapy meets chat show meets transformational workshop. I like to call it cheerful introspection. I've come to believe that many of the challenges that we find in business and leadership come from a lack of clarity. This is a lack of clarity about where you want to go, but also a lack of clarity of what you stand for and what you want. Getting clear on these ideas can lead to very deep and very uncomfortable conversations very quickly. Lawrence loves to have these conversations, including ones on God and death, and um, he approaches them in an entertaining, engaging, and educational way. I believe humor is a great leveler and helps us discuss tough topics in more accessible and less painful ways. I'd love to bring more of this to the world of work and personal growth, as I know it definitely helps me to think about the big questions without spinning out. In this episode of the podcast, I talked to Lawrence Shorter about where the idea of his chat show came from, what he struggles with, and what it means to be happy and ambitious. Enjoy. Just so you know, just so you know, there is a um, uh, a thing that my computer does sometimes, which is just shut down completely in the middle (laughs) middle of doing something. So if that happens, (laughs) I would have to wait... Um, you know, we'd have to wait five minutes while I while it powers up again and opens all the browsers. It might only be three minutes or something, but that's just to, to let you know that that can happen. Hopefully, it won't. But it can happen. I love the the feeling of jeopardy. That you just <laughs> that's great. That's it. It's all about jeopardy. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I'm now. I'm now. Yeah, you just added a level of excitement. You're taking it up a notch. How yeah. are you, Carlos? Uh, I am, I'm, I'm, 
yes. Not allowed to use the word all right, okay, or good. I am trying to think. I'm between good and okay. You're not allowed to use the word good, okay, or all right. Oh, you said I was. <laughs> you said you could use. No, one no, of you're not allowed words. to. Those are the rules. That's how people get out. They duck it. <laughs> in my experience. Yeah, yeah. No, I and I appreciate that. That's what was. I, I try and and give people honest answers when they ask me that yes. question. Uh, and if they don't want an honest answer, then they can fuck off. Um, so how's it going? Uh, I am in a mixed space. I'm kind of feeling very um, uh, excited. Uh, about um, a direction for the Happy Startup School. I just had a morning session with Lawrence, the mm. other Lawrence. Uh, we've been just kind of getting to the core, uh, basically planning for the next for next year mm. and beyond and trying to understand what's the best foundation mm. to put in place for the plan mm. that we have. Um, and that's been exciting, just getting down to some real honest conversations about what that means mm. for us uh and then and then coupled with a level of just um uncertainty and the need to be doing things because you know let's put it this way it'd be lovely if Lawrence and i could just shoot off somewhere and just spend a week chatting and talking mm. about stuff uh, but uh we have things that we need to get on with, uh, like recording a podcast yeah, yeah. today or uh, stuff we've got on the community mm. that's going on. Um, uh, admins. You stuff. need more reflection space. And that's the other interesting thing. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday who offered that. So maybe what that we need is, is more reflection space. And that actually made me feel more anxious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't need more. Yes, more to do, more time. <laughs> exactly. Another thing I have to arrange. Yes, another thing to arrange to think about. You know, you're a parent now, so you yeah. know it's like if if you have to arrange something like that, then you have to arrange all the other things to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's where that you know, uh, at one level, that sounds exactly what I need. Yeah. And on another level, it sounds like the last thing I want to do right now. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So yeah, that's that's me in the in a nutshell. Mm. Mm. <laughs> How about you? Well, I've had a very. I mean, I I was aware that our podcast title is cheerful introspection. I, by the way, did not come up with that. I don't think, <laughs> but but I'm not feeling cheerful, and uh, so I was like, oh, how am I going to be cheerful and all this stuff? And I thought, well, I won't be cheerful just be who I am but uh, no I'm just we moved house last week and so that took us about um, well I had to do I did all the packing myself which was on retrospect I wish I hadn't I wish I had actually paid someone I don't know any money at all just my life savings anything just to pack up the house for me because and it only cost a couple of hundred quid because it took me five days of solid work I couldn't do any other work and I, and Narina had to look after the kit, so we're just both exhausted, and we're in this lovely house full of boxes, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I'm in that very weird state of transition between, um, you know, something old and something new, and uh, feeling very um, unsettled in myself. Like there's no resting place where I can really relax. I can't find a bit like your need to to spend time talking and talking and talking. 
with Lawrence and reflecting, I can't find the space for really sinking in and like, oh, here I am, just really going to land here. And, and then I'm going to have the illuminations and insights about what I need to do in my life and all that stuff. Um, so, so I find that that is eluding me. And mm. so I can get quite, I can wake up quite troubled uh, about things or anxious, feeling um, upset or stuck. <clears throat> and on a good day, when I've got plenty to do, I will get into action and that swings me out of it. And then on other days, um, I can't quite get out of it, the funk, you know. And um, and so I think that is opposite for this conversation as well, because for me, this is uh, what I'm really interested in and what I feel is something really universal for people and for uh, the world is this state of kind of transition and stuckness. You know, there's this massive feeling of something needs to change and there is like the more beautiful world that our hearts dream of, as Charles Eisenstein puts it. Um, you know, we can sense that there's something that has to be a way of living that is better, and more, you know, or sort of authentic for us. And, and, you know, whether that's the fact that we raise kids in nuclear families and it's exhausting and we probably ought to have some kind of like techno community, <laughs> you know, you know, village where we're we're all raising kids. To, whatever it is, in every domain of life, there's some there's 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 a sense that there's a that there are better ways to organize it, and um, and yet we're in the middle. And I feel very much in the middle, uh, very much in transition. And that's um, and that is what I feel um, needs a lot of acknowledgement and care and support um, in in other people as well. Um, and not just saying, well, we should be over there. We're actually right here in this kind of mess. <laughs> and, uh, but not, but not getting too negative either. Not submitting to negativity. So anyway, no, that was my check-in. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit, but I feel better because I'm talking. <laughs> so uh, uh, talking is a great way for me to feel better about things because I, I um, find that t- talking about how I feel and what's going on for me is the way through and out of it it's not it's not the case for everyone i acknowledge that but for me it's a very important way a way through so i'm happy to be on a call with you carlos although it's weird not seeing your face <laughs> oh no thank you yeah snap um i definitely uh, lost everything that you said resonated for me um the talking you know talking definitely i find have someone giving me some space to just ramble and process thoughts and get them out and then try even just to try and articulate what's going through my head is i found a really always a valuable exercise especially if they know when to shut up and let me talk <laughs> and mm. then the mm. the other thing is uh, you know for me talking about transitions moving house is one of the most traumatic things that i've ever experienced um and even once we've moved house uh, uh where we are at the moment um there's an, I don't have a space for myself. Um, it, the, the, the place I work, it kind of doubles up as where all the kids put their toys and things like that. And that's really unsettling for me. The, mm. I, mm. I crave mm. my own space that is the way I want it. And I don't have to compromise uh, in terms of... Let's put it this way. I will, I will tell my wife and my kids off for creating a mess 
because I want everything neat and tidy, but I also want to be able to have a mess of my own making and not have someone come back to me and say, oh, you just want to go to it should be all tidy and you're like, no, it's my space. <laughs> Fair enough. It's going to be, it's yeah. going to be how I want it. Um, nice. But yes. Uh, uh, as long as you let your wife and kids have their messy spaces, that sounds exactly. fine. Exactly. And I'm happy with that. I think the thing that, that, that I'm struggling with is I don't have my own space. And then that affects my, I think, my clarity of thought. Yes, right. Absolutely got it. In fact, that's probably what's going on with me. There is no space anywhere that doesn't have picture frames, boxes, cushions, and old old Tesco bags full of stuff in it. And so my brain is like confused and cluttered. That's a really interesting, uh, the word psychogeography or whatever, you know, people call psychobiogeography. Uh, that there's a, there's a connection between how you how, how the clarity of your thought and feeling and the spaces you're in which is why sometimes when i find myself walking into i don't know a monastery or a, um, a place of worship or a or a mountain and suddenly you're in silence and like, oh my god it feels amazing mm. and I, I can feel the substance of what i am and uh mm. And so somehow we need that. Anyway, I'm going, you know, just, you see, this is, I just use people to jump off their personal points and make sermons. Sorry. <laughs> oh, and, and that's, I think that's going to be uh, part of the conversation that I'd love to have with you around mm. that jumping off these points and where they can lead us in terms of the, the thoughts that come out and are born mm. from there. But before we dive into that, you know, mm. Um, mm. if someone has been, is still with us after 11 minutes, mm. um, what would be nice is uh, to introduce yourself mm. in the way that you would best, the best suits you uh, to, to the listener here, who's, who's, who's huh. essentially eavesdropping on our conversation. How, how would, well, who are you? What do you do at the moment? Well, I know, as everyone knows, that that is one of the most terrifying questions that anyone can be asked. And if anyone pretends that it's not intimidating, it's only because... <laughs> They have um, created uh, like a, a really like successful snapshot version that they found works, but it doesn't really describe who they are. So I, I feel confident saying that because I I once met a spiritual teacher who was you know he was properly enlightened and awakened, and he used to give these satsangs, you know, these meetings and talks. And he's a lovely guy, very sweet guy, um, a Uruguayan teacher who lives in England, and um, he once said, "When people ask me what I do, I totally freak out." <laughs> I don't know what to say so I avoid going to parties because I don't want someone to ask me what I do because it's impossible to say who you are and what you do we're just we're everything anyway having said that as my health warning I will say that I um so I'm going to invent something on the spot here so I'm I'm someone who's been obsessed um I think probably all my adulthood with creative expression and with finding the way to get into the situations and states of being where I am at peak creative flow. And for me, that is often about artistic or creative expression, talking, performing, being on stage. But it's also about work and business and ideas and action. And so I've had a very um, interesting and unusual journey through many different careers. I started as a um, management consultant 
uh, after university and then went into finance and technology and was doing all this very, very kind of high-end thinky stuff. I did an MBA after that, then co-founded a dot-com company in, in Europe, in France, and Germany. And then, so I did all this right brain, sorry, left brain stuff about logic and analysis. And I was very driven to, um, to try and make money so that I could then at a later stage, be creative. And around the age of 30, I'm like, okay, that's it. I've waited too long. It's just, I'm getting frustrated. I've waited for this moment of becoming creative. I'm just going to do it now. And so I dived into the other side of my brain and started doing stuff I really had no training in, getting on stage and performing comedy. Did a one-man show in, in the Edinburgh Festival. Really the wrong way around because normally you do that once you've been a stand-up comic for three or four years and you've built up a lot of me. I just went straight to Edinburgh Festival. And then I did the stand-up comedy circuit for a couple of years. Um, in London and I um, started writing books and my first book was about optimism I was trying to find the secrets of, optim secrets of optimism by speaking to famous optimists all around the world I spent three years writing that book and it was published in all over the world and it was a success um, but I found that afterwards I wasn't still wasn't an optimist <laughs> so I was, a bit, I, I was even more pessimistic um, because I'd kind of dived into my own self and um, understood a bit about who I who I am and all the the stuff that's going on inside me I'm just going to pause and check am I answering this question in the wrong way because it's like a, I'm giving a rambling life story do you want like a more punchy kind of sentence about who I am there are no constraints or expectations about how you should answer these questions you're you're good great. to continue as you are great thanks yeah so so I then, um, because what it did was it opened up this portal inside me and I was like, my God, there's so much stuff in me. There's so many feelings and emotions. Once you start moving from the kind of logical side of the brain, if it's overdeveloped in the case, in my case, or in the case of lots of people who come up through the British academic system, my right brain, the creative side of me, oh my God, what a sort of, uh, you know, kind of uh, suffering artist I was. And all the the sort of, you know the feelings and difficult emotions and stories and childhood things, all of them the, like wow, there's so much here. And um, it turns out, oh, I'm not such a simple person. I'm rather complex. I have all these layers, and I started to realize that I was a person that had all these layers and layers, like different selves embedded inside each other, like a Russian doll. And that the one that I thought I was wasn't the one that I thought I was. But I had a glimpse of what was right in the middle of the Russian doll. There was a kind of um, moment um, around the time when I was doing my first comedy show. And I was working really hard to um, make money on the side as a management consultant. I um, was being paid well for it, but it was, you know, it was hard work. And there was this moment when um, one morning I went to work and I found that my mind was... Uh, was empty of the normal thoughts and I was just um, completely tuned in to what was going on which was just I was in the middle of the hangar lane gyratory in the underground station and I was sort of watching people's feet and legs walking past and I was completely fascinated and in love with everything I don't know what happened um, but it, it lasted for for a good long time maybe a whole day and I remember thinking this is very unusual and I'd never experienced anything like it. I think that I have 
have experienced the core of what it is to be a, a person, and that it was something like that, that state of being. And um, I didn't know at the time that that gets called Satori or um, uh, a sort of awakening moment. I didn't know what it was. And I think that ever since then, I've been trying to get back to that part of me. And on top of that part, that sign, and you sometimes feel this part of you when you're in a, um, an empty place that like we talked about, being in a church or a mountain or something, or you're in the still point of a storm, you know, you're on, on stage, for example, or you're coaching someone, or you're um, in flow, doing a task, and it could be anything, then you feel that still point and that sense of total absorption. And that, I think, is what is underneath all of those different um, personalities that show up inside us. And so my job in life now is to help people to navigate their way through the clutter and through the different voices and feelings and memories and the layers that get layered on to that part, um, back into that essential self. And that's what I do as a coach today, working with um, mainly leaders in organizations, people who, who run companies or, or teams or manage a lot of people and who are often under quite a lot of pressure, help them to get to that place, which is a very resourcing place. Um, and I write about it, and and um, that's what the chat show is all about as well. That's the, which I can talk about separately, but um, that is what I love to get into and what I can help people get into. But the cost of that is I have to be in that a lot. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a becoming a specialist in, what puts us not in that state, whatever you want to call it, flow, satori, presence, um, stillness, beingness, happiness. I, for whatever reason, have been designed to mm. go through all the stuff that that is not so that I can help other people um, be um, um, to move out of those states as well. And also when people, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, you're like, you're just like me. No one thinks I'm a fucking spiritual guru because I'm not, right? <laughs> because <clears throat> I'm often a mess and I'm often triggered. And so people, when they encounter me in my working in, um, persona, mm -hmm. like, yeah, this, 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 this person is like me. He also gets caught and tangled, but he also knows that there's something else. And that's where I want to be. And I hope that that's what I bring to stage as well when I'm at my best. Anyway, so that's a really wrong, a long ramble, a wrong, a wrong, a wrong ramble into my my work, and I do have a tendency to ramble. So please cut 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 me um, short from time to time. Well, uh, no, that's that's perfect. It's it's you, and that's that's part of why I do these podcasts is yeah. to have the real them uh, sharing whatever it is they need to yeah. share. And there's a number of things there that I'm fascinated by. Um, one being this idea, I, I, I get this feeling of like hunting for this feeling. I, I, you've got this feeling, it was with you for a bit, and you're just always trying to get back to it. Yeah, although I wouldn't say it's conscious. Like, I mean, I only figured that out many years later. It wasn't like, oh, I mean, I do, you know, you do come across this story when people talk about being spiritual teachers. Again, that's not what I am, but people who are spiritual teachers. So, or that they had an awakening experience when they're, and then they spent seven years trying to find the way back to it and so on. I think, well, that's kind of what is happening. Um, but it's not on the conscious level. It's not like, 
with my brain, I still want to make a lot of money or succeed or you have a bigger house or, or fulfill myself. I've got all these success metrics inside me, which probably don't help at all. But I, oh, I want to live in a great part of the world and have a, a wonderful way, you know, life and feel fulfilled and create all this sort of success slash ego stuff is what is going on in my conscious brain. Um, and then underneath it, I think there's something that is not about what I think I want at all. And it's a little bit like in a movie. Um, in a movie, the hero or heroine always thinks they want something. They have an objective. But the movie has another objective for them, which is their, their development as a character. And they have to go through hell and high water in order to really become who they are. I mean, that's the classic Hollywood standard template for a, for a movie, right? And it's the same for life. You're like, you want to grow the happy startup community. You want it to be this incredible, you know, successful, abundant, mm. abundance-creating, wonderful global thing. And yet your soul has some kind of like other objective at the same time. The, the, whatever you want to call it, the soul or the, the part of you that knows, the, the middle of the Russian doll, it's like, that's who you are. And I'm going to put you through whatever is necessary in order to be that. And so what we encounter as obstacles and difficulties and r pain and suffering, I think, is the, is the consequence of us being pulled down towards who we really are through all of the muck and the uh, the judgments and the beliefs, the limiting beliefs, and the um, the memories that we're we're attached to, and all those things, all the psychological stuff, we have to go through it. And I don't think it happens consciously, and it doesn't happen for everyone because some people are happy being at the you know the biggest Russian doll, the surface level. Some people are happy with with that until something happens, and then they, they realize it's not who they really are. Hmm. There's 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 a lot of uh, layers. There's a lot of layers to that. Layers to that. Break break that down into bullet points. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there's there's a, so the thing that came across for me, um, there is a uh, let's put it this way a state of being that um, that you felt that that felt incredibly pleasant for want of a better way word yeah, um, yeah. and it wasn't a uh, there wasn't a set, series of steps that you followed to get there it it occurred you held mm. it for a bit and then it went yeah. um, and there was a realization of that's where um that's the place of resource a resourcing place that's a realization much later, even, you know, um, in 10 years later or 15 years later, as I become a coach and I think about how people resource themselves. Yeah, but that's a retrospective realization. Yeah. And so there's this, this, there's this experience in the past, it sounds like, that, that you, you that brought as a level of well-being, for one of, again, for one of the better terms, hard to find the right yeah. words, it seems. Yeah. That you've then over the, the years of... of over this journey over the past few years that you come to realize or believe it's uh, this space that people talk about of, of flow 
of um, of being who you really are or the core of, of just existing, it sounds like, where you're yeah, not yeah. governed by or the conditioning effects of childhood society, what other things that have been affected, affected you through the environment. And there's something around, so the way I understand that, it's the, the way, the things that we strive for, the way we behave, the, the needs that we have are essentially covering up this pure core of, of blissful existence. Yeah. Of, yeah. of being able to act without needing, act intentionally without even thinking about it and to create yeah. without, without, um, yeah. conscious thought. Yeah. 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 That's, that's not, and, um, I just interject with a, with a posh quote, which I, um, I picked up recently, um, Nietzsche, the German philosopher said, um, the state of flow or whatever word he, he, he used for that um, in, uh, in his time was is equivalent to um, uh, the feeling of walking continually upstairs, up, up some stairs, but as if you're also walking on clouds at the same time. So is that kind of, there's, a, there's effort, but there's also effortlessness. It's not, you know, just effortlessness. There's also exertion and action. Mm. Uh, that in it, so that's the sort of aspiration, isn't it, of flow? That's what we'd all love to have. And to be living. Yeah, I think the sort of, and this may be leading into the next uh, question I had or the topic I'd like. I was curious about because I, I, when when you talk about moving upwards, going up some stairs, the word progress springs to mind. Um, but then you talk about the clouds, which brings a lightness and effortlessness. Uh, it isn't about um, being depleted by doing that. There's something, um, yeah, that doesn't feel like you have to strive. You have to push. You're still you're moving forward, but you it feels um, you're not again you're not depleted by. Moving wouldn't forward. wouldn't that be nice? Yes, and that's what. And so this is maybe touching on the thing I was curious about, and is this idea um, a few years ago. Uh, we run these events called Ideas Cafe, and it's, and it's an opportunity for people to come together, share a co- topic or a question, and then uh, discuss it in a group. Um, and the question that came up in this group was the idea of can you be happy and ambitious? And so, firstly, it'd be interesting to get your take on that question, what that question means to you. Yeah, great. I mean, this is what we're talking about, I suppose, in a way, with this effortless effort. And um, I was just feeling quite... (laughs) There's something very humorous about this, about just how unbelievably ambitious we are. You know, we just like... we don't. It's not enough for us just to eat bread and have water. It's not enough for us just to have, like, a warm, dry place to sleep right we want to be in a state of effortless effort <laughs> it's like i want it all i mean it's unbelievable in a way how high our expectations are of life and i wonder if there's almost a bit of a there's a key to the puzzle in this you know like all this wanting you know to be perfect or to feel perfect i, I want to feel great all the time <laughs> what the fuck is that you know, why do I want to feel great all the time? What about just being okay with not feeling great all the time? And I think that's probably where 
unfortunately, the solution to this is, at least while we are mere mortals, and we're not awakened beings or, you know, bodhisattvas or gurus, we are still in the realm of having to be okay with feeling a bit not great most of the time, or let's say 50% of the time. Maybe even just to be a little bit management consultancy, maybe it's 30% or 35% feeling great, 35% feeling really awful, and then 30% just feeling normal or having too much caffeine. I don't know. So uh, anyway, so I think it's funny. For I just think it's funny that we ask these questions of ourselves, and it's, it's kind of touching in a way how ambitious we are. And yet there's no way to avoid wanting solutions to those things. I think you just have to, have to also acknowledge that we are just beings who are driven, 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 driven by ambition, ambition, inward and outward ambition to be better and to feel, feel good. So um, that's just a rambling sort of digression, but on your thing about success and what, how did you put it? What was your happy and ambitious, happy and ambitious. Yeah. I have a, I have a feeling, I have a suspicion that you can't be happy, that one cannot truly be happy until the ambition is, is relaxed fully. And that's very hard for me because uh, what is an ambition but a wish for things to be other than what they are and for to feel differently from how I feel. And that is almost the definition of what happiness isn't. If you're defining happiness as a state of being happy with you know, it, it is by definition happy with what is, right, now, and, and including your future plans, you know, so that's fine. But I'm happy with my plans and with now and everything. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. That would be, that's the inner sense, the, the opposite of the state of ambition. And yet somehow we need to have a place for ambition. We, and somehow we need to be able to encompass the fact that as um, I was laughing about before, we are fated to want, we're fated to want and to desire and to always wish and strive. So I think all we can do, Carlos, given that I'm not able to give an answer, um, and you might find someone else you interview who does, but all we can do is, is to be okay with that weird paradox and start laughing about it. And I think that is why for me, the greatest art is um, is comedy in a way because because it, it it laughs at our condition, and our condition is really unsolvable. You know, you can't solve it not with your not through talking about it. You know, you can't solve it. And there's something beautiful and really hilarious about being a human. So that that's part of what I wanted to celebrate when I start getting people on stage. And talking to them about their, you know, what does what drives them and what what triggers them, what's their inner life like, and that's where. Uh, thanks for taking to us there, because that's where um, one of the things I think one of the big things I really like about your work and who you are and the way you come across is that you you do open up the conversations and 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 introduce the the concepts that are quite can be quite challenging for people but you hold it within this in this way that that is light and 
and like you said, funny. And, and, and you look at it in a humorous way without, I don't think even without disrespecting it. It's not, you're not disrespecting, you're just uh, laughing at the absurd, absurdity in a sense of not being able to necessarily work it out logically. And through that, yeah. The, through, well, actually, let's do this. Let's go through. Let's talk about more about this. Your your Lawrence Shorter's spiritual experience, which we experienced at summer camp this year, and and maybe bring in that that concept uh, and how that ties to to what you were talking about previously. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, first of all, that was a, that was a truly wonderful experience for me to do that at your summer camp, and um, and I I've now done five of these shows it's it's still in its you know piloty stage um and i'm learning that the audience and the context are hugely important um and so what i do is i just jump on my surfboard and then i ride the audience <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they're my bitch no i just uh i just you know i just am able to um work with that energy and magic and the energy and magic in in uh, summer camp was just absolutely by sunday was just you, you could not have a better um moment and energy field to work with so it was, it was so, such a privilege such a wonderful wonderful moment which i will remember forever and it's a benchmark for me of how how a performance uh, or an experience a shared experience can be and what i always hope for create um, a perform performant a performative event that felt like we were all doing it together, and um, for years I've been trying to do this and couldn't really crack it. And you know, I thought it was about me being on stage, having some sort of funny script or doing clowning. All of those things are important; they're all bits. Um, and of course, I run workshops. That's how I make my living. I'm going off tomorrow to do two day workshop with managers in a you know professional services firm talking about what triggers them all this stuff but that's not funny i mean there are funny moments but it's not performance and then i suddenly thought well i had a sort of bit of a breakthrough moment i thought well if i could bring those conversations that i have when i'm coaching people or or training people when they're you know they're upfronting about how they really feel and i'm doing it too and we can make that performance a space of of joyful entertainment then then it could, this could be amazing and i would really enjoy myself right whereas when i'm training people i'm being a bit more of a kind of response adult it's a bit more responsible it's, it's a, uh, a bit less fun <laughs> and uh, and so like let's do that and so i started doing as i was and so the chat show was born because there is already a format it's called the chat show everyone knows the chat show format the tv chat show like just do that but subvert it and make it about spiritual spiritual stuff and i use that term in the broadest term meaning anything what's it like to be a human being anything uh, you can talk about that regards being a human being and so the first show we did was about god that's obviously a spiritual subject but it was about why is it so awkward to use the word god and talk about god you know <laughs> it's easier to talk about you know, meditation or Buddhism or even your soul than to use the word God. And that's a bit of a taboo subject. So we talked about that. The second one was about death. You know, what, 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 how can we be with death, you know, day to day? Um, am I avoiding thinking about death? Am I actually in denial that the fact I'm going to die one day? I don't really believe that. On some level, I don't believe I'm going to die. 
but you are, but am I? You know, that kind of thing. So, and get three guests on stage with me who have something to say from, from different perspectives. Someone who's creative, a performer, someone who's an artist or a singer, someone who's, 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 um, who's um, deeply involved with being in the flow state because that's what you have to be to be a creative, right? Someone who is a teacher or a therapist or a kind of guru or a wise person like Charlie uh, Davis or, you know, someone who's a bit of a sage archetype, have them on stage. And then the other person, you know, there's more freedom to, to, to choose who the third person is. Um, I, I kind of want a comedian as well. It's great to have a comedian because they can, they, you know, they can bring in a whole other vibe. And then you just have the conversation. And it's such a privilege and such fun to have those conversations with an audience because we're all in it together. And when it goes best, it's when I'm able to talk about a theme that everyone gets. So like, yeah, of course I, of course I, 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 I feel the same way as you. Yeah, I get it. And that's when stand-up comedy meets group therapy meets chat show meets transformational workshop, and it's one for me. That is the that's the business, and uh, so I'm very excited about it. And uh, I can feel I can see that I feel a lot more animated than I did at the beginning of the conversation, <laughs> just because we're talking about stuff that I love. Mm. And isn't that the best thing? Just to talk about stuff you love. Exactly, and that's yeah. you know where the idea of talking about cheerful introspection came for me, yeah. because when at the beginning you were talking about these Russian dolls, mm. and at the at the heart there's that pure I'll call it the pure white doll that is. Mm. That who we really are and then you you said but some people just like to be the surface doll and i'm going to put inverted speech marks around what i'm going to say here and are happy to be there uh and i would say that uh and then you also mentioned that but then sometimes there's an event that requires people to look further inside the doll and mm. that's when the whole introspection thing can start for people yeah. and that can be really uncomfortable like you're saying it's a real mm. can be really challenging thing to do mm. and what i love about your work and what you're doing right now because i have a strong belief that that work is you know doing that introspection mm. i believe is supremely important i think the more people that can do that in the world the more peaceful a world that we will have mm. and a better world we will be in mm. but because it's so challenging having different ways to approach it and like you said how humor for me humor is such a great way to diffuse challenging situations whether it's death or or conflict um mm. and there if you can combine if you can do the transformational work mm. for people who wouldn't necessarily do it mm. but give it to them in a way in a format in a in a yeah a, approach that that then actually opens their eyes to it without feeling intimidated yeah that's right that yeah. i believe is your gift and your your little russian doll at the center of all the other dolls you have nice nice thank you yeah and one thing one thing that uh, i've learned is that um that just by being um having an intention and being with in a room with people uh, just being you know, just create something and make something happen because, you know, we all, we all kind of tune into each other. We all transmit and we're all so much happens. that's not conscious. And so, um, just because I'm engaged in that 
in that um, that quest myself, it just it automatically creates a space for that for other people. And um, yeah, and there's one other thing I wanted to say, which is just going back to earlier and when when you were uh, before we um, wind wind down, which is you, you know this idea that you have an experience and then you want to go back to it. And I said it's the middle of the Russian doll. I just want to normalize that a little bit because um, I repeatedly experience it again when I am in flow. And so when I'm in states of um, suddenly I find that I'm feeling uh, that, that, that an idea comes to me uh, for an article, for example, and I just start writing it and it's just like, oh, it's flowing through me. That kind of, those moments of creative flow, I think is something quite normal, quite, it's almost, it's quite universal and quite human. It's not something out of reach. It's not like a, you know, spiritual experience. It kind of is a spiritual experience, but it's something that, that we feel is is human and normal. And so I, I'm kind of obsessed with being in that state and helping others to be in that state. And I think that's just a more, maybe a normal, normal benchmark for people than some kind of enlightenment moment. I, I love the idea that this is an, uh, an accessible um, state that everyone can have. I would, the way I look at it though, and uh, this is where I think the word spirituality comes to mind for me. There are questions you need to ask, i.e. what's what's inside this doll and then what's inside that doll yeah. and what's inside the doll. So there are still questions. There's a journey that feels that people need to intentionally follow in order to have that experience. Mm. And I, mm. I believe mm. there's some people who, who've been lucky enough or given the gift to just find it whether it's i think of roger federer and people who are mm. just incredibly gifted at what they do they just they they find mm. that they found that flow from an early age or from they discovered it yeah and then there's a, the rest of us who are looking for it uh and and that's that's the work i believe can really help people if they can when they can dig down deep into there and say ah oh, that's the thing that's when mm. you were talking about the the staircase and the clouds. That's when you get mm. that feeling. Mm. But I would say that there's some discipline involved in this too, probably. And when you say Federer, it makes me think of a client I had who 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 loves Federer, and you know he, he's founder and CEO of his company. And he said he he, he was often uh, uh, worried or troubled about how you you know he wasn't leading in the way he wanted or spending his time in the right way. And he said, I, my aspiration is to be like Roger Federer. Federer doesn't do anything except be Federer, right? <laughs> he, doesn't drive, he doesn't drive the taxi. He plays tennis. He just does what he's good at. And, and there is something in that that I always remembered from, from that conversation. Something in that. It's so easy to do stuff you're not really, 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 really the best in the world at. And to beat yourself up, I should be good at doing PowerPoint presentations or whatever it is. You know, I should be good at managing multi-stakeholder, you know, project management, consulting engagements. I should be, and it's very, very insidious. It's not, you know, so black and white as that. But if you, I think, discipline one is, be, keep reminding yourself and have other people remind you that when you do that, you're fucking amazing. Mm. When you do that, when you do that other stuff, you're just kind of, you're in the crowd. Mm. Yeah? yeah. So you telling me that what I do is X, Y, Z, that's good, you know? That's really important because am I spending all of my time doing that 
Am I spending all of my time doing this this sort of the chat show? This no, I'm not. I'm worrying about other things, making money in other ways, mm. for example. So discipline one, stick with the knitting, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and be Federer, be what makes you great. And I think then there are a bunch of other disciplines that I'm still <laughs> trying to learn, which I don't which are about actually structuring your time, which is what you've got dozens and dozens of people in your community who are great at giving advice on the life hacks. And, um, and part of that's probably meditating every day, doing some form of spiritual practice that gets you into that zone. Um, and then it's not so much digging deep as allowing deep to, you know, to give it some space, mm. even if it's only for brief moments. And I think discipline three for me, which is a non-discipline or an anti-discipline is just doing nothing on that note mm. so just doing nothing at least once a day for mm. for a few minutes nothing no no watching telly nothing just nothing and that is already some breathing room for that inner part of you that needs a bit of space from all the noise i like i like discipline three um and a thing that resonates to me is when it connects to something you said before about federer just being federer because um one thing um, I'd like for anyone listening to this, and this is maybe my own fear or worry, is this idea that gets propagated about, you know, finding your your area of greatness and, and your zone of genius and being mm. that thing. Mm. It suddenly creates this, uh, this thing that feels a little bit unreachable. Yeah. And then there's this other, what I picked up for you, from what you were saying um, around the nothingness, doing nothing, mm. the word acceptance sprang to mind. Mm. And so the image in my head is Federer accepts himself as Federer. Yeah. And what he does, he just does what Federer does. Yeah. yeah. And ironically, that then allows him to be the most amazing tennis player. Yeah. And that thing also about when you're saying about doing nothing, I think most of us find it really difficult to do that because we can't accept just mm. being us, whatever mm. that means. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes back to the ambition thing. You know, we're just, it's it's not quite, we're not quite happy with how we are. We'd no. like to be a little bit different. Um, but um, something you said, um, also um, notes being pushed through the door. And notes being pushed through the door, just sec. Uh, just sec, let me go have a look at it. Move our van urgently. Fireworks. Okay. All right. So I got to move our van urgently. So just there was something I really want to say about that. You gonna run off and move the van, and I can wait for you here. No, no, no. It's okay. It's it's the other side of town. So let me just. I just wanted to say the um the thing was um about uh ambition. No, the second dis. When you said what did you say about the discipline? The um. Oh yes, anxiety. That's right. So many things that pass themselves off as helpful create anxiety. So the idea that we need to have a vision, for example, most people can't have a vision. It's just we're not built to just have a fucking vision, right? You can have (laughs) glimpses of a vision. You can have the corners of it. You can have elements, but having a vision, you know, maybe shamans or one or two very gifted people can have vision. Artists have have a sequence of visions. They have lots of different visions. 
vision, that's a whole realm of anxiety creating like tasks for people. Um, having a purpose as well, knowing what your purpose is, mm. saying who you are, being able to nail down who you are and what your purpose statement. Jesus, you know, what the fuck? What, a, what do you think a fox does? It doesn't have a fucking purpose or a tree <laughs> or a, you know, a house or anything that's inanimate or, or animate apart from humans don't have to use words to create meaning that will then help them direct and navigate their life. You don't need that, really. You know deep down you don't really need that stuff. It's a, it's a waste of time. But we've made those things important because it's so hard to live in this world uh, in, in a spontaneous and natural way. So I, I, you know, I, mm. I spend as much time as anyone else thinking about vision and purpose and goals and strengths, but it, it, is, a, it is ultimately not really where you want to be i mean it, it's not the silence it's not the doing nothing you want to be in the doing nothing and then all that stuff i think will fall away sooner or later that stuff falls away when you realize mm. the self-acceptance stuff you were talking about it's just a yeah mm. it's just a, that's it that's it acceptance that's the word i think you've got it yeah. and i remember from summer camp and your conversations there and what struck me that's really stayed with me is what christina keesley said I think um, it's to accept who you are, but know that you can do more or be better. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some realism and kindness in that too. Like what like we were talking about earlier. You know, you have to accept that being part of being human is to be ambitious. Part part of the the yeah the the calm and and condition is that you just have to accept that we want we want we want so much. <laughs> anyway, I'd better go move this van because fireworks yes. fireworks in Lewis tonight. Oh my god! I think I've left oh. my van somewhere very, very, very uh, inconvenient. So I've, I've... Where you... oh, I forgot about that. So you're going to have effigies and that's people right. and, yeah, and urination in the streets. That's correct. Um... Smashing. <laughs> yeah, all that good stuff. Well, thanks a lot for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation and. Um, yeah, looking forward to sharing your Lawrence Shorter spiritual experience from summer camp as a live broadcast mm. um, next week. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what uh, what comes up for people as they watch that yeah. and see if we can create a conversation around that. Nice. Um, and the thank you again for bringing it to, to summer camp as well. It was, it was a pleasure. It was a highlight for oh, me. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Carlos. I loved it. Thanks for listening to this Happy Startup School podcast. We're on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs and individuals find more alignment between what they believe and the work they do. Because for us, happiness is when what you think, say and do are all aligned. Happiness isn't just a passive feeling, but an active way of living, which isn't always easy, but when it's done right, can be effortless. We're on a mission to help you find happiness by providing tools, courses and community that inspires you to follow the journey of building a happy startup. This will require finding out more about yourself as well as learning how to build a purposeful business. If you're excited by this, then please rate and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform and then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com. You can also read our blog at ahappy.link forward slash read.